let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Thursday evening, where with our new programming, we have the opportunity to reflect into the gospel that we will hear on Sunday. And this third Sunday of Easter, well, we have what I might say is probably my favorite gospel text, if I have your permission to have a favorite gospel text, <laughs> this gospel that comes to us from Luke 24, uh, the narrative that we do know as the road to Emmaus, uh, a narrative that we use as a model as it relates to catechesis, Bible studies, uh, Christian living. It just, it's an all-encompassing narrative. And uh, as I noted last week, I will have uh, Debbie joining me uh, on more of a regular basis. So Debbie, great to have you with me another Thursday evening. Thank you, Joe. So, Debbie, uh, the road to Emmaus, as I was just noting, uh, such a rich, rich narrative as it touches so many aspects of Catholic life and thought. I talk about catechesis. I talk, talk about biblical theology and how we ought to do biblical theology. We're certainly going to talk about that this evening, that Jesus shows us in today's gospel how to do biblical theology, Christian living, uh, the Eucharist, interpersonal communion, table fellowship, all of these great, rich Christian Catholic themes we find in this most popular narrative. It's interesting, Debbie. Oh, what was it now? 2008, I believe, we had the Synod on the Word of God. So the Church came together to talk about sacred Scripture and how we are called to uh, take uh, sacred Scripture into uh, every home across the world, and what is the best way to do it? Well, there was not one narrative talked about more in that synod than the road to Emmaus. And it really highlights what I'm talking about here, Debbie, as it relates to the importance of this narrative. Now, that being said, the third Sunday of Easter gives us, well, I would say, Debbie, half the narrative, if you will. The road to Emmaus goes from verse 13, I think, all the way to verse 48. We get verse 35 to 48. I think our listening audience is familiar enough with it, so we'll tap into some things that are in those other verses. But for now, Debbie, why don't we go ahead and get started with the actual gospel text that we will hear on Sunday. The two disciples recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. Because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. 
Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Amen. You know, Debbie, for 50 days from Easter Sunday to Pentecost Sunday, there is one principal theme, and it is the resurrection, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and for all intents and purposes, every subsequent Sunday, there's one <laughs> principal theme, and it is the resurrection. In many ways, we can say that uh, every Sunday is Easter Sunday, and yes, we don't typically think about it in our, in our tradition, but when you start talking about what lies at the heart of it, uh, yes, it is about the resurrection uh, resurrection Sunday. And so that has to be before us, before we talk about anything else, because Sunday is not about the weekend, quote-unquote, right? It is uh, the first day. The first day of what? The first day of, Debbie, a whole new era of humanity, new life. Uh, this is the good news. We must remember, as Jesus Christ was talking there in the gospel, he is the fulfillment of the prophetic thrust of the Old Testament. He is the fulfillment of the law of Moses. He is the fulfillment of every great prophecy. He is the fulfillment of all the Psalms. Okay, he is, yes, the fulfillment of everything you find in the Old Testament, but he is also at once calling us to understand that this is also a transformation, a transformation in him. It is just not some connect the dots and, oh, huh, look at that fun picture we see, let's color it in. No, this is a transformation. So he's come to fulfill, perfect, and transform. And he calls us to share in this transformation. And so how do we do this? Well, why is it so hard, Debbie, for us to embrace Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday? Because of what preceded it, the cross. Mm -hmm. Why were the disciples so downtrodden? because of the horror of the crucifixion, right? So how are we transformed in Christ? Well, to the degree that we die to self. This is what Jesus teaches us, first of all, in the resurrection, that in order for there to be new life, there first must be death. He rises from the grave to remind us that even from the most unexpected place of death, there will be new life. And so he says, come and see. And he invites us into uh, this new covenant life. He invites us into this new era. Uh, And this is what's before us this Sunday of Easter, for sure. But for all intents and purposes, Debbie, this is what is before us every Sunday, because every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Every Sunday we are singing Alleluia. Every Sunday we are called to appreciate what is going on in today's gospel, because this is what our faith is about. It's a beautiful, the road to Emmaus, uh, I agree, it's one of my favorites. Just there's so much here, and and you can just, uh, so much emotion in this one. There's, Mm. you know, it's very um, an emotional thing when you have the two disciples as they're walking away from, as you shared, the horrific witnessing that just occurred with the death of of Jesus and they're walking away and what happens along the way Mm. and 
um, in the midst of our own Golgothas, you know, mm-hmm. let's say our own passion, we're walking the journey with Jesus at different times in our lives. And we're those disciples walking away, scratching our heads, trying to, trying to make sense of, of this pain and suffering. And Jesus comes and walks along with us and brings life and says, let me open your minds to the scripture. He does that for each one of us, if we're listening. <laughs> well, and what's striking, Debbie, is we talk about being transformed in Christ. What this gospel text highlights is that it is gradual, yeah. right? He's opening first their mind, mm-hmm. but they're still grappling with it. They yeah. cannot... Uh, it's so human. Yes. And uh, in time... In time, the pilgrimage is made from mind to heart, Mm -hmm. and now the power of the resurrection begins to stimulate something deeper within. Mm -hmm. The power of the resurrection leads to their uh, hearts burning Burning. within, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is the the gradual transformation, and this is like any courtship, Mm -hmm. is it not? Uh, I mean, over time, you will get to know your beloved. You just don't know your beloved overnight. Um, Yes, eyes can meet across the room and you could be drawn to each other, but a getting to know the other person Mm -hmm. takes time. Mm -hmm. And uh, our faith journey, Debbie, is one that takes time. And so this narrative depicts, uh, I think, something very real for us. And there's some questions our Lord asks us. I think some very important questions. Yes, it's um, one of the things that struck me as I read this piece this time. You know, it's funny what strikes us time after time reading the same scripture. Mm. And, and and this was it. Because I I could relate to the Lord just saying this to me in my own life. Debbie, why are you troubled? Mm. Why do you questions arise in your heart? And so our Lord comes in the midst in his glorified body And he asked the disciples these two very pointed and pertinent questions. Don't you trust me? Why are you Mm -hmm. troubled? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Peace be with you. I've only come to bring peace. Why are you troubled? Why are questions arising? And and I think, too, Debbie, the the peace be with you is is very important to what you're talking about right now. Because it's always to remember when you talk about peace... You're not talking about uh, the absence of warfare mm-hmm. or, or the, the absence of the storm, uh, but where do we see peace in the gospel? Christ says, um, uh, peace be still to the storm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the peace that comes out from this interpersonal communion with God, this personal relationship with God. As I like to often say, when it comes to peace, uh, peace is not the calm and the storm as much as it is the power and authority you have in Christ to say, peace, be still to the storm, ultimately. Because once we understand that it's not the absence of warfare, or as Pope Francis says in Joy of the Gospel, a negotiated settlement, uh, but spiritual welfare and something that uh, has everything to do with being in covenant harmony with God, we understand, well, yeah. Yeah, because one thing we can be guaranteed of, Debbie, and we know this all too well in 2015, there will be a storm. Mm, uh, and the, the storm is encircling us as we speak. We live in a culture that defies truth at every turn, and it doesn't want to have a conversation with truth. No. And so as, as faithful Christians and Catholics, what we need to be concerned with is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, this being transformed in Christ so as not to be influenced by the world, to be in the world, but not of the world, huh? You know, it's interesting, Debbie, if you look at the word world 
in uh, Paul's epistles, you find the Greek there, schema. Uh, the Greek for world is schema. It is, uh, uh, you know, scheme. Uh, Satan is plotting his, his agenda. He is scheming. Of course, this is put in contrast with truth and the light of Christ. And so if we're rooted in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, if we're rooted in this peace, as Jesus says, peace be with you, then our hearts, Debbie, will not be troubled. Right? It's like, why are your hearts troubled? Mm-hmm. Why are you so distressed about this? Mm-hmm. And Debbie, you know, you were saying earlier, he could have well just said this to me. Uh, well, and I, I echo that, Debbie, and I think every listener echoes that. Uh, he comes to us in our most downtrodden place, and he says, why are you so troubled? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we, we have that conversation mm-hmm. with him, and we allow that grace to just invade our soul so that we might know that peace, that, that peace that can only come from Jesus Christ. The world makes a lot of promises, mm-hmm. but they're empty promises, The promise Jesus makes is one that is full of life-giving power, even power to look into the eye of the storm and say, peace, be still. It's one of my favorite images, I think, of Jesus asleep in the boat, and and there I am freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) About everything, right? (laughs) And he's sleeping on the pillow, and I'm freaking out. And, you know, he gets up, and he just, with his words... And, you know, when he asks that, why are you troubled? If we were to say, oh, I'm fine, mm. you know, like we do to our spouses sometimes because mm-hmm. we just don't have the energy to get into it. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, we can do that with Jesus too. Yeah. You know, he's saying, Deb, why are you so troubled? What's, what's up? What's going on? I'm fine. Jesus, I'm just fine. Let's just get on with, let's get on, let's get on. Well, then he can't give me his peace, mm. right? I, I've locked the door of my heart to it. Mm-hmm. But if I just start and say, man... You know, you keep telling me you aren't going to give me more than I can handle. Mm-hmm. I think you're trusting me just a little too much because I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. Okay, that's honesty. Mm-hmm. He knows what's going on anyway, but I've just verbalized it. And then he can fill me and he's going to say, is my, is my grace sufficient for you? Do you trust me, my mm-hmm. child? Come, let me enfold you. Put your burden on me. Put your burden on me. Mm-hmm. And this is, what he's, this is what he's doing in this gospel. He's like, um, come on, let's be honest about what's going on here because you guys need to be suited up for the battle very mm-hmm. shortly. And, and each one of us, each one of us, as we get up in the morning, if we're troubled, let's, let's tell our Lord about it. Let's let him fill us with our, his peace so that we can go on and not have that be a stumbling block in our day because it certainly will be. Yeah, the more you suppress those things, the more they're going to wreak havoc on your soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so our Lord says, let me take it. That's right, yeah. let me take it. And isn't it fascinating in the gospel narrative, he says, for all intents and purposes, uh, I told you these things were going to happen. Yeah, he did. You know, I, I, so, so what's going what's, on here? Exactly. Uh, and, Where's the problem? And what's so important here, too, Debbie, for us to remember is that he appears to the apostles, he appears to the, to the disciples in his body. Right, in his body, uh, the conversation that God has with us is so very human, mm-hmm. and I think that's important for us too as we talk about this conversation with God, this this gradual transformation. Because um, sometimes we can put Christ yes. up up there somewhere where yeah. we, we can't touch Him, and this is the last thing. Oh. This is the last thing He wants. In fact, the whole 
essence of the resurrection, just not this week, but also last week, is that He comes to us uh, in, in literally in His, in his human form. He says, mm-hmm. I told you this was going to happen, and, and look at my hands, you know, look at my wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to even eat uh, mm-hmm. so that you see uh, that this is the real thing, the real flesh, right. okay? And this is all necessary because it draws out the human element, yet at the same time, the same time, Debbie, there's something more he desires. Mm-hmm. We were talking a little bit before the radio program about the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. What does the word transfiguration literally mean? Well, in the Greek, it translates, he went beyond the form that he had. So Christ, without ceasing to be who he was in his humanity, became something more before the very eyes of Peter, James, and John. Okay, there was this illumination, there was this light. And ultimately, this points us to Emmaus Road in this way. That here you have our Lord appearing to them in his resurrected body, and he speaks to them in human terms, but at the same time, he invites the, the disciples, he, he invited the apostles, and he invites us to become something more in his divinity. Christ meets us where we are at in our humanity, Debbie. He takes us by the hand, and he wants to show us the best version of who we are called to be. Mm-hmm. As Second Peter 1.4 reminds us, we are called to participate in his very divine nature. And does not the road to Emmaus highlight what this is all about? Because yes. when were their hearts burning at the what? The breaking of the bread, mm-hmm. right? They saw him for who he was, Jesus, Yeshua, mm-hmm. at the breaking of the bread. Right. You know, of course, as Christians and as Catholics, we know this to be the Eucharist. So, so it is when we receive the Eucharist, we come to see him for who he is in all of his glory, yes, but also at the same time in all of his humanity, that he might essentially transform us into uh, the greatness of his own light and his own glory. I mean, what a mind-boggling, you know, idea this is, that the Lord in his humility wants to share every bit, including his body and his, every bit, Mm -hmm. his body, his blood, his soul, his divinity. You think about those four concepts, those four truths of Mm. the Eucharist. Mm. Um, They should give you a moment to pause. Um, He has nothing else to give us, Mm -hmm. does he? Mm -hmm. He's given it all. Yeah. He's given it all on the cross, he's taken it all on the cross, and then he's given it out in the Holy Eucharist. And if we take a moment to just think about what that means to be transformed in Christ in the Holy Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, I would imagine that that would transform us a bit. Mm -hmm. If we just meditate a little bit on what that gift means Mm -hmm. and its ability to make us more like Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a fascinating thing, Debbie, you talk about this total and absolute love where enough is never enough until the last drop. Uh, something we spoke to last month, I believe, you know, if at least in, in his humanity uh, in the physical element of it, he just didn't give a drop of his blood because there were five and a half to six quarts of human blood to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he doesn't hold anything back. No. Uh, and this is, again, this is total and absolute love. And this might be hard for us a little bit to grasp because we fall in love and out of love. Yes. We are very, at one moment, uh, content 
with love and our encounters with with others, and then suddenly we are very discontent, uh, satisfied, dissatisfied, fickle, very fickle, and <laughs> so we enter into this kind of uh, in season, out of season uh, relationship with with how we think about love. But this is not what God's love is all about. It is one hundred percent absolute all the time. Yeah, uh, it is the it is that overarching truth as it relates to God's love to say that there is nothing so great we can do that is going to have God actually loving us more, and there's nothing so tragic that is actually going to have God loving us any less. <clears throat> to some degree, our weakness uh, attracts God's yes. mercy, but this is just the greatness of His absolute love. Uh, and so we are called to enter into the fullness and the totality of this love that you talk about, that we might, yes, in contemplating it and meditating upon it, be moved within to, to better understand it. And to some degree, it's, yes, a mystery, but a mystery that we are called to constantly inquire about. You know, earlier I had mentioned, Debbie, that the road to Emmaus is, is a gradual transformation. This is our life. Now, this is our life, where he's slowly and surely unveiling one aspect of who we're called to be after another. And this is just how he unveils himself. This is how uh, he unveiled himself in Scripture, and this is what he does in our own lives. I mean, imagine if God just burst forth all of his light and, and all of his glory at once. Mm-hmm. We, we, we couldn't handle it. Yes. Sure. So bit by bit, he gives us what we need so as to chew on and so as to meditate on, and this is what we do as Christians and Catholics. And again, the road to Emmaus provides for us a narrative that, that allows us to, to engage this. You know, Jesus Christ says, uh, I am a new Moses. So he, he, for all intents and purposes, has us asking the question, well, what do you mean, Jesus? You're a new Moses. Mm-hmm. And so he shows us how to be uh, good students of the Bible. He shows us how to approach and interpret sacred scripture. It's always a fun study, and I know you and I have talked about this before, Debbie, as it relates to how to understand the old in light of the new, new in light of the old with typology to see this, it's at times almost clever pattern, mm-hmm. uh, this clever uh, coordination and how God reveals himself. Uh, the old and new comparisons as it relates to Moses is uh, most striking, especially when you compare the story of Moses with the Gospel of Matthew, because Matthew's more intentional as he's writing to a Palestinian Christian Jewish audience. You see you know, Matthew developing this mosaic narrative. What do I mean? Well, (laughs) you look at the life of Moses, what do you see? You see this wicked decree coming from a pharaoh, and out from this wicked decree, uh, there is a flight into Egypt. Huh? Well, that's funny, because don't we see the same thing, but in the life of Christ, this wicked decree coming from Herod, this flight into Egypt. Um, Isn't it interesting that in the Old Testament, we know Miriam was watching this baby Moses in this basket, mm-hmm. right, along uh, the Nile, along the body of water. Well, it's to remember, and you can have a lot of fun with this, Debbie, yeah. but of course, Mary is the new Miriam. <laughs> right. The Hebrew word for basket that is used there is the same word for covenant, Ark of the Covenant. Well, what is the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant uh, holds the presence of God. In the Old Testament, it was the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod, uh, and the manna, right? This held the presence of God. Mary holds the presence of God, obviously. And so what's important about this, and maybe why Jesus Christ would have been 
uh, showing the disciples on the road to Emmaus about this? Well, uh, if you continue that narrative, what do you find? Uh, through water, the people of the Old Testament were saved. Well, Matthew's developing this, and uh, certainly we are made to see through the waters of baptism we are saved. After they are saved, what do they receive? Well, <laughs> the law of the Old Testament, the law of the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments. Where do we see Christ? Huh? But giving the law of the New Testament and the Beatitudes. And one can have a lot more fun with this study. We can spend the next 30 minutes talking about this. Mm-hmm. But the point to be had here, Debbie, is on the road to Emmaus, what you quickly discover is this depth with just not one layer, two layers, but so many that has us constantly inquiring about the faith, going deeper into the faith, and discovering that this transformation in Christ is so extensive that it constantly has us uh, coming back for more. And this is why Jesus Christ is doing what he's doing there on the road, Mm -hmm. teaching, catechizing. There they are in this interpersonal communion, this table fellowship. This is what the Christian Catholic life is all about. Twice in this story, he says that he opens their minds to understand the scripture. We have that in verse 27, which, of course, isn't in this evening's uh, gospel. But again, in, um, in verse 40, 45. And I would just pray that we would ask the Holy Spirit to give us that gift as we study scripture every day. Hopefully we are studying scripture every day, maybe just taking the readings of the church and just asking the Lord to open our minds to understand what it is, what it is that this message is for me today. You know, Lord, what is it that you want me, little old Debbie in Chico, California, to see and understand about this and about you and Mm -hmm. about our relationship? Amen to that, Debbie. God comes to us where we are at. He wants to meet us concretely in our very human experience that he might elevate that very human and ordinary experience, Debbie, into something extraordinary, into something where we might get a glimpse of the divine, into something where we might actually begin to see God pull up the curtain into the heavenly Jerusalem here on earth. Striking. You know, Debbie, I'm looking up at the clock. We are out of time. You know, there was that last verse about uh, this need to preach Uh, the message of repentance and forgiveness of sins. We'll probably have the chance to get uh, into that subject matter, just not preaching, but specifically with that message in future weeks. I look forward to that. Thank you for the gift of your time, Debbie. Let us go ahead and uh, wrap up with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.